You are listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law. Plain talk about intellectual property. Please welcome your host, Leticia Caminero. Hello from Washington, D.C. This is episode two. Today we will learn about copyright and talk with a self-published author with a beautiful story about an unlikely friend and a joyful girl. Before we talk with our guest, the author of The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, my friend Fresno, let's talk about copyright. When we hear copyright, our minds takes us to art, music, film, most likely the blue warning at the beginning of some films. We also think about sculptures, literature, and any other work of art. But copyright can also be software, apps, video games, corporate manuals, and presentations. Yes, those PowerPoint presentations. To encapsulate its definition, we can say copyright is the right creators have over their creations. These rights protect the original expression of the creator, not the idea behind it. For example, the idea of a love story, where a couple falls in love, overcoming every obstacle, can be expressed in infinite forms. With this idea, we find Pride and Prejudice, Emma, Persuasion, and the rest of Jane Austen's books, We also find The Notebook of Nicholas Park, Jane Eyre of Charles Pront, and countless more. All those novels are based in the same idea, but every single one of them are expressed in different and unique ways. These various expressions are covered on the copyright. Now, let's take a closer look. Here are some things you need to know about copyright. Copyright is born when the expression is born. A registration is not mandatory for protection. However, it is always advisable to register. Registration may serve as proof of authorship, and in some countries, it is required for certain legal processes. It is also highly recommended if you are planning to license your work. Like any other intellectual property, copyright is territorial. However, Thanks to international treaties, a great number of countries mutually recognize and protect most foreign work. A work, meaning the object protected on the copyright, must be an original expression of an idea. Some countries require fixation. This fixation has nothing to do with Freud. On copyright, fixation happens when the work is stored in a way that can be replicated, perceived, or communicated. In law, we are usually surrounded by vague definitions. Originality is one of them. We can say that a work is original when it's different from another work, meaning that we can tell them apart. Copyright provides two sets of rights, moral rights and economic rights. But common law countries like the U.S. usually don't recognize moral rights to all types of work, while civil law countries like the Dominican Republic does. The difference between a common law country and a civil law country is that common law relies on custom and the decision of judges, while civil law relies on the law, the law that is enacted or issued by a Congress. Moral rights are centered in protecting the link between the creator and the work. Paternity rights and integrity rights are the most common moral rights. Paternity covers to be recognized as the author of the work or remain anonymous. So you can ask to be known as the author or not to be known 
as the author. While integrity gives you the right to oppose any modification on your work, even if someone else holds the economic rights of the work. Speaking of which, economic rights, these are the exclusive rights to reproduce, meaning make copies, distribute, broadcast, translate, adapt, and so on. The period of protection can be a bit tricky. The basic rule is usually life of the author plus 50 years after their death. But we can easily find some countries with plus 75 years after the death of the author. Some works in some countries may have a different time frame. For example, photographic works, computer programs in some countries are only protected for 50 or 75 years from the day of the creation or its first publication. It is important to consult your national law for more details. Similar to what we talked on the previous episode about patents, there are different actors in copyright. One is the author that creates the work. The other one is the owner that owns the economic right. They can be the same person, a group of people, or different people, or organizations. Some works have a more complex dynamic. So now you know. Copyright is the exclusive right given to an original expression. Let's learn more from our author, her journey, and her book. Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Today, we have the great pleasure of talking with one-of-a-kind author. She found inspiration under very dire circumstances. Hi, my name is Dr. Ashley Wellman, and I'm from the United States. I am 36 years old, and I am a professor and scholar of criminology. I specialize in violent victimization, working alongside unsolved homicide survivors and sexual assault survivors, some of the bravest people that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. I also happen to be an entrepreneur and a children's book author. My small business, Ray of Sunshine LLC, is the home of the My Friend Fresno children's book series. I started the small business after the sudden death of my husband in 2018. I wanted to give myself permission to start fresh and to give myself a new outlet, a new way to heal. And I realized that way of healing, creative writing for me, was also a way that I might be able to thrive. And so the business was born. And that was the first moment that I started The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, my friend Fresno. From criminology to children's book author. Tell us about your book. I am so excited to share The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, My Friend Fresno, my very first children's book, with your listeners. My Friend Fresno celebrates the ideas that new things don't have to be scary, our differences make us special, and that life is better when we're in it together. There is beauty in sharing your life with others. What would you say inspired you to write this book? The book was born from a picture of my daughter dancing with her posable skeleton when she was just two years old. As a criminologist, I had purchased this skeleton to go in my office. And to, you know, to my humor, my two-year-old actually adopted him and said, you can't take him to your office. This is my best friend, Fresno. Well, fast forward two years later, 
Uh, We had just witnessed the sudden death of my husband due to a pulmonary embolism. And I felt lost. I had made a promise as I kissed him goodbye that I would make our lives magical and I would give his daughter a magical life. And I wasn't sure how to do that. So when my friend saw this picture of her dancing with her skeleton, he said that that is what you should do. You should capture that beauty of something that should be scary with this little innocence of a child who actually embraces and loves this this skeleton, despite the fact that society says maybe she shouldn't. And you should write about that. What that did in that moment was my friend gave me permission to break my normal routine. He said, do something that you're not typically doing with your career because I was focusing on such heavy material, murder, sexual assault, um, you know, cold case investigations. And so in my grief, I was given permission to take a step back and write something from a whimsical, magical space. And what that did is it started to transform the grief process for me. So the book really started as as a way to heal. And then it started to morph into something completely different. I had run into a hiccup uh, at work. My career kind of got a a U-turn thrown at it. And I was feeling again like I was lost in direction. And then I remembered if this book could help me heal, what if it also was a way to help me thrive? And so I set out to open my small business. And when I did so, I started really looking at my friend Fresno, the book, as so much more than just a story I had gotten onto paper. That sounds magical. So your daughter, a photo, an awful tragedy, a promise, and a friend took you to write My Friend Fresno. But My Friend Fresno is much more than just a story. There's also some beautiful images and illustrations in the book. How did you create those? I partnered with the incredible illustrator, Zachary Thomas Kincaid. He is the nephew of Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light. And I remember the moment I called him and I said, this is real. We're not just going to do this kind of as as a side hobby. I am going to make this book something that children can can access and that we will celebrate diversity and inclusion and self-love and acceptance through this story. And so uh, in that moment of transition from this being kind of a hobby into a career is where the book really took off. I'm very proud to say that the book is published now. I did self-publishing, but the story really did. It started so true to where it actually turned out. There have been multiple edits along the way. I finished the manuscript in October of 2018, just a couple months after my uh, husband had passed away. But my illustrator was such a great business partner and he provided a lot of flexible you know, feedback and telling me how the book might be able to be stronger. And so together we created such a better product. And yes, it took two years for it to come out. But that original story held true. It just got better because of the reality that business and creativity, these these projects take time. And so the story that you'll read when you open up the book is very, very, very close to the way that it actually started two years ago. And so I'm proud of not only the story, but the beautiful pictures that are inside and even more excited about the way that the message may be able to make an impact in children's lives and whoever reads it. Seeing the images of my friend Fresno, looking at him dance, makes the story much more fun and take us also to his universe, the unique universe you created. On today's topic, we talk about copyright. 
How does a self-published author protect her work? When we talk about intellectual property, it's such a fascinating concept. I had to very much adjust to the fact that when I started to write my friend Fresno, I had to take care of the copyright information myself. And so it was very important to me that the book get recorded, you know, with the Library of Congress. I made sure that it was listed there. I made sure that the story was copyrighted as soon as I had a handle on, on a draft that I thought was close to where I wanted it to be. And, uh, and you know, that was allowed to secure that idea for us. It, it held that idea for us with that copyright uh, in place. This illustration, which actually protects, is the way she imagined and expressed my friend Fresno, the story she tells and how she tells it. In the U.S., if you want to make a registration of a copyright, you need to deposit two copies of your work within three months of publication. Ashley, and beyond copyright, any other protection in mind? In the future, we're definitely working towards wanting to trademark and, and you know have more protection for the My Friend Fresno brand. But that's one of the struggles, right? When you're getting started, uh, to what extent should I go? Should I protect the name? Should I protect the image? And so we have been learning some of the ups and downs has been learning. How do you adjust to this idea that you actually own this idea? This is your product. And so how do you fight to make sure that you preserve it as your own? You know, I'm working with a little skeleton. Skeletons are everywhere. But Fresno is so beautifully unique that I'm grateful to have the opportunity to copyright his story, to to work towards trademarking uh, him as a character. And, and to have those illustrations protected as well so that, that that forever stays as a staple item that will symbolize my work and the work of Zach. Yeah, just by looking at your book, I can see it's a brand. I, everything that you have created around my friend Fresno is also protected, um, has trademark or has the potential to be protected as a trademark. Um, and also some elements that d differentiate this character can also be protected with other intellectual property. And that's the beauty of IP. From one creation, you can have many ways of protecting it. We will learn about trademark in another episode, but you can read about it on my blog, Intangible Law, www.leticiacaminero.com. So going back to our guest, why self-publish? When I started on the journey of creating my own children's book, I was very torn which direction I wanted to go. Did I want to be a traditionally published author or did I want to pursue this self-published model? Traditionally, we viewed self-publishing with such a negative lens. I remember I used to be a manager at a Barnes and Noble and I would plan all of their big events. And I remember the, the attitude towards self-published authors because truly anyone can self-publish their own book. However, There's also this reality that a lot of traditionally published books don't bring the magic that is respected and honored underneath this idea of traditionally being published. Times are changing. There's so many innovative opportunities for artists everywhere. And so as I sat there thinking about, do I want to be traditionally published or do I want to self-publish this book? To me, it came down to ownership of the material ownership of the vision of my friend Fresno and being able to say, I will be the reason that this brand succeeds or fails. I will be the one who gets to craft the story and the message and the way that this brand is delivered to 
fans all over the world. And so it gave me something to, to pursue and to have control over, particularly in a time in my life where I didn't feel like a lot of things were in my control. And so I went the self-publishing route. I decided I was going to invest in myself. I was going to invest in this idea because I believed in it so very much. And so uh, one of the struggles was making sure that, you know, I was the one to find a, a very good editor. And I had several, several, several people take a look at my friend Fresno, just the manuscript in and of itself. There was a lot of control and a responsibility as far as managing the illustrations. Zach and I didn't have anybody looking over our shoulder saying, oh, change this, do this, en enhance this, you know, minimize this. And so it really became this, this passion project that allowed us to spend significant time crafting exactly what we wanted. Um, I knew right away that I wanted to build not just this children's book, but a brand of My Friend Fresno. And so in the times I was waiting for Zach to provide an illustration, I was over creating ancillary products, a plush doll, uh, puzzles, an adult puzzle, working towards getting a coloring book situated. And so what's fascinating is that by self-publishing, I'm adding a item to this bone boutique that I've created. And I'm creating a world around this character that we developed together. So I actually decided to purchase a very large quantity of the children's books, have them printed. I had them printed at the highest quality I could, the thickest page count, the thickest cover board, a dust jacket on the hardcover book, uh, rich pigment ink, and all of these different options that I had. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to do it at a high quality. And that way, that standard approach and that, that attitude towards self-publishing, I actually get to buck that because when you hold that in your hand, when you hold this book in your hand, it is nothing short of a beautiful product. There's nothing shoddy about it. There's nothing, you know, slapped together. There's nothing, um, you know, on demand that you got. You have a item that is from a store that I created. And so, there's a sense of pride and terror that comes with taking it all on yourself. I am my own marketer. I am my own, you know, market researcher. I am my own public relations firm. I'm my own advertiser. And so there is a lot of added responsibility on someone who decides to go the self-publishing route. There's also financial investment that comes with that. But again, at the end of the day, I think it matters how much time you want to put in, how much of your heart you're willing to kind of share with a traditional publisher. Now, my goal is that as this series grows, perhaps a publisher does want to take uh, take on Fresno and, and adapt and adopt him into their world of traditional publishing. I'll be forever grateful for that moment. I just think for me, the self-publishing route was the way to go now in my life because I was so ready for the adventure. I was so ready to trust myself on a new endeavor. And so I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this book and to see what misconceptions there are about artists who take it upon themselves to say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to create this product that I'm so passionate about. So um, let's start rewriting that narrative that we place on self-publishing and say, 
you know, it's not the type of publishing that counts. It's the quality of work and it's the heart behind the project. And let me tell you what, there is a whole lot of heart behind this children's book series. Many entrepreneurs can really relate when you describe that you have been doing the work of a team or the, of the work of a group of people. And from what you're telling me, self-publishing gave you creative and commercial control from the merchandise that you chose to create and even the paper in which your book is printed on. You took the decision to what paper, what ink was going to be in your book. Any advice for new creators? To any young creator, artist, musician, author out there listening to this podcast, my advice would be believe in yourself. Give yourself grace and permission to explore something that your heart really is passionate about. And don't listen to the outside world, right? Listen to the voice inside of you that says, this is what I believe in. This is what I want. And this is what I want to create. I would encourage you to rethink about what you think of as success and failure. Success has so traditionally meant financial success. And I think for a lot of us who are creators, that's not the reason that we do the work that is, is coming from the pen, the paintbrush, whatever uh, craft that we're using to create. The reality is we have to be willing to say, I'm doing this for the success of finishing this product, for owning this item for creating the vision that I have. And that is ultimate success. When you hold that finished product in your hand, and as a fellow creator, there's never a perfect finished product. But when you get to the point where you say, I have completed this vision I had, it is such a magical moment. That is success. There's so many people sitting back saying, I want to write a book. I want to paint. I want to record a song. I want to develop you know, a, a program. And they don't. And so I think for a creator, giving yourself the permission to start the process is the most beautiful gift you'll ever give yourself. Just start and start by knowing that the project is going to be long and there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be struggles and there will not be perfection. But if you allow yourself to start, you've already succeeded. Step by step by step, celebrate the, the movement of the project Even when they're setbacks, take a moment to regroup and think about what is it that I can do in this moment of silence, in this moment where I'm stalled out, what am I able to do to add to the overall progression of my project, of my business, of this, this you know, magical creation that I'm working towards? I think the idea of failure for me has had to be rewritten. Failure is only when I don't go after what I want. And so... Again, giving yourself grace and the trust of saying, let's do this. If we're going to do it, let's do it. And uh, along the way, when things aren't perfect, you give yourself grace of saying, I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to step back and take a, a breath and then I'm going to try again. And you keep chipping away at the project. But the scariest thing I think is that we view, especially as a creator, I want the end product in my hand. And it's the fear of saying that is a very long journey to get to that end product. So just remembering step by step, one foot in front of the other and, you know, get started, do it scared, do it broke, do it unsure, do it without the full vision. Just get started because you'll already be steps ahead of where you were yesterday if you'll continue to move forward. I think the other advice that I would give to people is patience. The 
creative process has proven to be such a long one. I am conditioned as many of us are in society for instant gratification and instant results. And the reality is, is that a story that took um, you know, a month or two to write took two years to come into production and is going to take, you know, uh, in my head, maybe three to five years to really gain the momentum I want for this beautiful story. But that's okay because that's all part of the journey. I, I think ultimate creators, ultimate artists, we know that this is just, these are stepping stones on the path of, what, of who we want to be, of what we want to be, of the career we want to build. And so be gracious to yourself and know that with patience comes the success, comes the growth as an artist, as a creator. And that, you know, as long as you're true to yourself, as long as you give yourself permission to always take steps towards the project that you want to be, be working on, then you are ultimately succeeding and that you are going to be able to one day hold that finished product in your hand. And you're going to look back and say, what a beautiful journey, what a beautiful product. And then you get to ask the very scary question of what's next. There you have it. Thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time to answer our questions and giving us a new definition of success. Start and don't stop until you're holding your finished creation in your hands. And thank you for reminding us to be patient and trust the journey. The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons, My Friend Fresno, is available at myfriendfresno.com. The value of the creation is in itself. The value lies in the author's fixed expressions in the universe that he, she, they created in a set of original expressions that take us inside the author's mind and into an imaginary or unique reality. So that's what copyright is. Copyright in particular and intellectual property in general is the law that turns the product of creativity into a right. And so we come to the end of our episode. See you next Tuesday with a new guest and a new IP topic. Thank you for listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Did you like what we talked today? Please share with your network. Do you want to learn more about intellectual property? Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website www.intangiblia.com. Copyright Leticia Caminero 2020. All rights reserved. This podcast is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as legal advice or legal opinion.